1: For those of you who've been following our podcast for some time, you will remember that Elder Buddy Abernathy has been preaching a series on the book of Revelation. We began posting these sermons about a year and a half or two years ago, but we didn't do it in a consistent, continuous stream because Brother Buddy wasn't preaching them in a consistent, continuous way. Here at Zion, I'm the pastor, but Brother Buddy helps out on a regular basis, but not every Sunday. He often fills appointments at other churches as well. So in this series, he hasn't been preaching every Sunday, week in and week out. I decided sometime back that I would stop posting these until we had quite a few built up, and then I would go back and start over so that perhaps you, as the listener, could get a more consistent feel for the book of Revelation. I also decided that we would break this series up into parts. And so, beginning today, we're going to start posting the first part of this book, which I'm calling an introduction to the book of Revelation. This introduction primarily covers chapter one, although it will give many concepts that will help us throughout the book of Revelation. In this sermon, Brother Buddy. Gives us an introduction to the book of Revelation beginning in chapter 1 and verse 1, introducing us to the concept that God in Revelation is not giving us specific timelines, but rather He is giving us encouragement in difficult times. So join us as we start over in the book of Revelation with Elder Buddy Abernathy. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy.
0: tonight at the uh, book of Revelation. Revelation is often looked at with, uh, I guess, hesitation because there are so many uh, strange ideas about the book. But if you keep in mind that it's written to first century church members who were no more uh, intelligent or unique than we are. Then surely there are things that are applicable to the daily lives of church members in any age. So let's just begin in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel. Unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Now, I, know, I want you to notice uh, in these uh, two verses. In verse 1, he says he's uh, going to speak, speak or write of some things which must shortly come to pass. And then at the end of verse 3, we didn't read down to the end of verse 3, but notice at the end of verse 3, he says, for the time is at hand. So there's two expressions in verse 1 and then in verse 3 that would at first lead you to believe that the events in this book would have already transpired because this was written uh, in the first century. But as you study the book of Revelation, especially near the end, when it speaks of the second coming of Christ, then I believe it is obviously reasonable to conclude that the events in this book have not all been fulfilled. Now let's see if we can find some scriptural support for that notion that even though there are these two terms used which would seem to indicate that, yet if we compare them to other scripture, which is the best way to interpret the Bible, then we'll see that uh, that's not necessarily the case. Now first of all, notice in verse 1... It says that the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now that word shortly can indicate a short passage of time. In other words, if we say I'm going to do something shortly, we mean I'm going to do that in the very near future instead of that which may be an event that takes place a year from now. Notice in Luke chapter 18 that we can see that same uh, idea expressed. Now there, he uses the word shortly. Here in Luke, you'll find the word quickly, but it's made obvious from the context that it's not speaking of something that's going to happen right now. Now, here in Luke chapter 18, this is the story of the widow before the unjust judge. And we'll not read that in particular because that's not uh, what we want to look at. But you remember, I'm sure, that account of the widow that came before the unjust judge And it was made clear that he didn't fear God or regard men. But because she wouldn't leave him alone, he eventually granted her request. Now, he didn't grant her request immediately. That is, he didn't grant her request the first time she came before him. But because she daily, regularly came before him, bothering him, He gave her what she was seeking. Now look at Luke chapter 18 and and how Jesus then speaks of this. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Now I said a while ago that it uses the word quickly, but it uses the word speedily. But that's the definition of the word speedily is quickly. But notice how he addresses this. It says in verse 7, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with him. Now, this says that though God's children cry unto him day and night, he doesn't immediately, that is in the immediate future, grant their request. But it says he may indeed bear long with them. Now, that's been my normal experience when I'm going through difficulty, and it probably has been yours, too. That when we're going through a trial, God usually doesn't immediately, that is in the immediate future, deliver us or give us the answer. As a minister, I know that when there's been things regarding my being a pastor... Uh, when there's been things that that were of concern to me that I usually wasn't delivered or I usually didn't receive the answer to that uh, struggle in the immediate future. But it was over a period of time uh, in which I labored with that situation. So you say, well, what in the world does the word speedily mean? Well, notice this in verse 8. He says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. In other words, God may bear long with us, but when the deliverance comes, it may indeed come quickly. In other words, have you not had situations in your life I can think about when I moved here? I had been uh, praying and struggling for uh, probably a year. And the ideas that I had in mind uh, were that the Lord would give me a, a secular job there in Florida. And I would continue working there. And I just kept praying, Lord, why isn't anything happening? Why am I not getting a job? But when the door opened here, it was speedily, it was quickly, In other words, when the Lord gives you the answer, there it is. He just opens the door to you. That's the idea here, that the Lord may bear long with his children, but when he delivers them, it may indeed be speedily or quickly. Now, isn't that how the Bible describes the second coming? You know, when we think of the uh, Lord returning to to claim his people, especially in the perspective of those that lived in the first century, we know the event didn't take place in the immediate future because it still hasn't taken place. But yet often the the New Testament writers uh, wrote in such a way that you might think that's the case. As a matter of fact, the church at Thessalonica so overreacted to Paul speaking about the Lord's coming that they quit their jobs. See, they thought, well, the Lord's coming in the immediate future, but that wasn't the idea. But that shows that we're prone to think that way. Look how it's described in Second uh, Peter. You'll hear again see the idea of speedily or uh, quickly. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the, let's go back to verse uh, 9. This will really set the context. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. Now what that's saying is sometimes we equate a long passage of time with the idea that the Lord's not going to do what he said he was going to do. Now, we are often that way with other people, and rightfully so. Because usually, if someone tells you they're going to do something, and a lot of time goes by, you can usually conclude that they forgot about it, that they're not going to do it at all. But we know the Lord's not that way. But notice here it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, and he's speaking of the promise of his second coming, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Notice here we're going to find the same uh, balance that we read there about the judge. He he bears long with his children, but then he delivers them speedily. Notice here with regard to the second coming. It says he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's speaking of all of his children being born again. The Lord's not going to come until he's through with his work of salvation, which includes the new birth, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now notice the idea here again. He's long-suffering, but when the Lord comes, it's going to be like a sudden, unexpected intrusion the idea of a thief here is not someone that's sneaking around quietly trying to get into your house unnoticed. The idea here is someone that breaks in suddenly and unexpectedly and catching you off guard. So notice what we've looked at so far in Luke 18 and here in 2 Peter 3 that the idea of the Lord coming quickly or the Lord coming speedily doesn't necessarily mean that he's coming in the immediate future. It just means that he could come at any time, number one, and it's going to be a sudden intrusion. I dare say when when the Lord comes back, He's going to catch us off guard. You say, brother, buddy, you saying that we'll be doing things we're ashamed of? No, I'm not saying that. But I doubt if we're going to really be expecting it to happen the moment he returns. We're going to be caught off guard in the sense that it's going to uh, it's really going to get our attention because he's going to come like a thief in the night. But that'll be a blessing to his children. But there are some that will be in fear. Now go back to Revelation chapter 1 with those thoughts in mind. In verse 1, he said these things must shortly come to pass. We've tried to show you from Luke and 2 Peter that the Lord's return is imminent While it may not be immediate, you see the difference? These things will shortly come to pass. Now, what about that other expression at the end of verse three? He says, the time is at hand. Now, that would seem to even make the case stronger that here's something that is about to transpire right around the corner. But when you can find other scripture that use the same phrase in a context that proves that it's not speaking of the immediate future, then that gives you, shall I say, the liberty to interpret this text in that light. Notice, for example, in uh, James chapter 5, let's start... In verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Now, there's no need for patience if it's going to happen tomorrow, right? If it's immediate, you won't have time to have patience. He says, be patient. Brethren, unto the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman, speaking of the gardener, the farmer, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Now notice all of this verse, including the illustration about the farmer, is giving the idea that you patiently wait For that which you anticipate. And then immediately in verse 8, he says, be ye also patient. In the same way the gardener is patient. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now see, that's not saying that the Lord's coming back tomorrow. As a matter of fact, it's been almost 2,000 years since James penned those words, and the Lord hasn't returned that, but he's showing us this is the perspective we're to have. You probably heard me say before that whether you were in the first century or the 21st century, the outlook of the church is exactly the same. You see, as many people read Revelation and they try to figure out where we're at on a timeline, that's not the message of the book. It's not to figure out where we are on the timeline. The general theme of the book is that we're in trouble, we're in conflict, we're in battle, But there's a real invisible world called heaven where Jesus reigns and rules. And though we even are persecuted and if even martyred here, which was... What some of those churches in Revelation were being threatened with. That regardless of what I'm going through here, there's a real invisible world called heaven where Jesus rules and he will return and he will in every sense then win the battle. You see, he won the battle at Calvary, but he has not yet claimed and taken home what he redeemed at Calvary. That's the idea of Revelation. And you have all of these detailed pictures that relate to that concept. So the reason I'm telling you all these things or making this great emphasis is so you won't approach the book of Revelation and say, well, where are we on the timeline? Surely, if John began by saying that these are things that must shortly come to pass, and if he said the time is at hand, then surely these are things that would soon be fulfilled in the perspective of those in the first century. And so for us in the 21st century, a lot of this, if not all of it, may have already happened. See, I've used Luke 18 and uh, also Second Peter 3 to try to suggest with other comparable scriptures that this is not speaking of something in the immediate future. See, that's important for you to have that understanding. So that when you're reading Revelation, you can say, hey, the same way that this applied to those seven churches, it applies to Zion Church in the same way. We may not be going through the same circumstances, and indeed we're not. Many of them were being persecuted. We've been blessed here, but as far as future perspective is concerned...
1: It's exactly the same. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com.